Very Reverend Father, Michael Patrick Conard of the Archdiocese of Hartford, Cody John Isaiah Lee of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, Lucas Jordan Tillotson of the Archdiocese of Vancouver, and Jesse Elias Waters of the Diocese of Austin, who have come to be monks, ask for the habit of our holy order. Over the past several months, we have seen that they truly seek God, that they are zealous for the work of God, obedient, and eager to embrace the hard and rugged ways by which the journey to God is made. Go, Father, and bring them here. What do you seek? The mercy of God and a place in this school of the Lord's service. May the Lord admit you into the company of his elect. Amen. From the book of Ecclesiasticus. My son, if thy mind is to enter the Lord's service, wait there in his presence with honesty of purpose and with awe, and prepare thyself to be put to the test. Submissive be thy heart, and ready to bear all. To wise advice lend a ready ear, and be never hasty when ill times befall thee. Wait for God, cling to God, and wait for him. At the end of it thy life shall blossom anew. Accept all that comes to thee, patient in sorrow, humiliation long enduring. For gold and silver the crucible, it is in the furnace of humiliation men show themselves worthy of his acceptance. Trust in him, and he will lift thee to thy feet again. Go straight on thy way, and fix in him thy hope. Hold fast thy fear of him, and in that fear to old age come thou. Dear sons, Michael, Cody, Lucas, and Jesse, the liturgical providence of God has so arranged your lives and our shared life together that you find yourselves here today on the threshold of a new beginning. It is a transitus, the beginning of a lifelong passing from things familiar and dear to things no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no human heart conceived, the welcome God has prepared for those who love him. On Tuesday, we celebrated the Feast of St. Patrick. On Thursday, the Feast of St. Joseph. And today, the Feast of St. Benedict. All three are patriarchal figures. Men invested with a far-reaching fatherhood in Christ a 
fatherhood that mysteriously touches your lives in a real way today. What is the fatherhood of St. Patrick, St. Joseph, and St. Benedict, if not a participation by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fruitful and nurturing love of that Father, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth takes its name. There is in every son a certain likeness to his father. While this is certainly true of our own dear fathers according to the flesh, it is also true of those who, as the Apostle says, beget us in Jesus Christ by their transmission of the Gospel. <clears throat> by the very fact of being here in Ireland, you have a claim on the fatherhood of St. Patrick. And St. Patrick has a responsibility for you. You were, I think, as struck as I was by the intro of the Mass on the Feast of St. Patrick. It was lifted from the 12th chapter of Genesis. Go forth out of thy country and from thy kindred and out of thy father's house and come into the land which I shall show thee. Each of you left country and kindred and home in response to a mysterious call of God. Come into the land which I shall show thee. I would identify two graces that it seems to me St. Patrick would share with you in a special way. Faith and abandonment. The faith of St. Patrick was Abrahamic, immense in its consequences. You may recall the offertory antiphon of the Mass of St. Patrick. And he brought him forth abroad and said to him, Look up to heaven and number the stars if thou canst. And he said to him, So shall thy seed be. By bringing you to Ireland, to this monastery, at this time, in these circumstances, it seems to me that God is intimating his desire to give you an immense faith. Faith is inseparable from self-abandonment. What does the believing man do? He abandons himself to the one in whom he has believed. 
To abandon oneself is to leave all else behind. It is to forsake every earthly security. It is to cast oneself into an abyss, to relinquish control, to place oneself willingly and unconditionally in the hands of God. This is the way that St. Patrick shows to any man who, like him, arrives on these shores for the love of Christ. Saint Joseph is, in a certain sense, the last and most glorious of the patriarchs. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ. Saint Joseph is, of all the patriarchs, the one who best exemplifies the monastic life. He was a man at home in the dark night of faith. A man for whom every event was an occasion to bless God. A man who preferred silence to speech, deeds to words, and hiddenness to appearing. The life of Saint Joseph was to share the silence and hiddenness of the Word made flesh, the very lamb of sacrifice promised to Isaac on Mount Moriah. My son, said Abraham, God will see to it that there is a lamb to be sacrificed. So they went on together. And with Joseph and his virgin spouse, the Immaculate Virgin Mary, the light of his eyes and the joy of his heart, there was at Nazareth, as many centuries later here in Ireland at Knock, the Lamb. What will your life be here in the cloister? A participation in the silence and hiddenness of the Lamb, slain in sacrifice ever since the world was made. You, dear sons, like St. Joseph, will find in the eyes of the Immaculate Virgin Mary the strength to persevere in what you are beginning today. And should you be shaken in your resolve, or frightened by uncertainty, or surprised by things unforeseen, Go to Our Lady. She will repeat to you, as I am sure she repeated to Saint Joseph 
the words spoken to her by the angel, no word shall be impossible with God. Saint Patrick and Saint Joseph bring us to Saint Benedict, the father without whom none of us would be here. The patriarch anointed with so superabundant a grace, a capital grace, that even after 15 centuries, it still flows fresh, fragrant, and rich, even onto the four of you, Michael, Cody, Lucas, and Jesse, who today become his newest sons. Saint Aelred in the 12th century preached a sermon for March 21st that has lost nothing of its charm. I know, says Saint Aelred to his monks, that you are used to welcoming with utter joy the feast days of the saints whenever they occur, and that you heighten your fervor by recalling and meditating on their lives and perfections. Yet I think that this feast of our Holy Father Benedict means more to you than others, and is in some way more welcome not because it is a greater feast than all others, but because he, our own Father, is closer to us than the other saints. For in Christ Jesus, through the Gospel, he has given us birth. Whatever purity you possess through chastity, all the spiritual delight you take in charity, all the glory you are aware of having by despising worldliness, by labors, by vigils, by fasts, by voluntary poverty, all this comes through his teaching. Whatever progress you have made in meditation, in compunction, in prayer, in devotion, and the rest of the spiritual exercises, has not all of this been brought about in you by God's grace through his ministry and example? Therefore, he is closer to you than the rest of the saints, so his feast ought to be for you a day of greater joy. What St. Aylward calls a day of greater joy is the Feast of St. Benedict's Transitus, the commemoration of his wondrously Eucharistic death. For Mother MacTilde, our vocation began when St. Benedict, fortified and consoled by the adorable body and blood of Christ with uplifted hands breathed his last before the altar. It is our vocation to take his place there, before the altar. 
and to continue on earth the ceaseless watch of adoration that even now he keeps gloriously in the inner sanctuary beyond the veil. Death is not improvised. If St. Benedict was graced with so stupendously Eucharistic a death, it can only be because he lived an intensely Eucharistic life. Of this life, St. Benedict speaks very little in the Holy Rule, but St. Gregory tells us that the holy man could not otherwise teach than he himself lived. At no time did St. Benedict teach more eloquently than in the hour of his death. The transitus of St. Benedict is, in a certain sense, the crowning chapter of the Holy Rule. It is the fulfillment of the words that he places on the mouth of each of his sons and daughters on the day of their monastic profession. Sushipe me domine, secundum eloquium tuum et vivam, et non confundas me ab expectatione mea. Take thou me unto thyself, O Lord, and I shall live. Let me not be confounded in my hope. The time of novice ship that you begin today, dear sons, has no other goal than to prepare you to sing these words with uplifted hands before the altar. The altar upon which Christ is immolated in mystery, the altar from which you receive his adorable body and blood, the altar from which the glory of the Lord appears over you as it once appeared over Moses and Aaron, who went into the tabernacle of the covenant and fell flat upon the ground. There is, I think, another father also here. Unlike St. Patrick, St. Joseph, and St. Benedict, he has no official feast in the liturgical calendar. The Church has not yet recognized him as a saint, nor even as a blessed or a venerable. But I have today, all the same, a compelling sense of his intercession for you, dear sons, and of his fatherhood over all of us. I speak of Abbot Celestino Maria Colombo, Abbot Celestino was in some way like Moses, to whom the Lord said on Mount Nebo in the hour of his death, Thou hast seen it with thy eyes, 
and shalt not pass over to it. The nuns of Ronco di Gifa, who knew better than anyone else the deepest aspirations of Abbot Celestino Maria Colombo, wrote in their annals a burning prayer that today has about it something of a prophecy. That the last breath of our great Father Benedict will generate sons of the host to the host. Benedictine adorers, priestly victims to sustain and save the church in the difficult last times. And to these mysterious words they added, and so may it be. Dear sons, Michael, Cody, Lucas, and Jesse, there is no doubt that you are beginning your monastic journey at a difficult moment in history and in the life of the Church. For many, the present hour is destabilizing and frightening. And yet, you four men, by asking for the holy habit today, are allowing Saint Benedict to generate sons of the host to the host. Your place is before the altar and under the sign of the cross. The world will not know of you, and even if news of what is happening here now should somehow come to the eyes and ears of the world, it will not be understood. It may even be scorned. For the word of the cross, to them indeed that perish is foolishness, but to them that are saved, that is, to us, it is the power of God. Take comfort, dear sons, in the closeness of the Immaculate Virgin Mary. Lean on the strong intercession of our Father Saint Benedict, of Saint Patrick, Saint Joseph, and Abbot Celestino. And hear each of them say to you, together with the Apostle, hearing of your faith that is in the Lord Jesus, and of your love towards the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making commemoration of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints.
trusting not in my own strength, but in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and confident in the mercy of God, I desire with all my heart to do battle under the rule of St. Benedict. May God bring to completion the work he has begun in you.